I'm here with uh, an amazing leader, Parker. Parker, how are you, man? I'm so good. Doing well, so well. Um, for any viewers, this is uh, conversations. Parker and I are literally going to have a conversation. So I'd advise you to get a notebook out. Um, I cannot have a notebook because that would be kind of hard to do while having a conversation. But uh, Parker, tell us a little bit about you, your journey. What do you do if you have kids? Well, I'll start. I'll start with the personal stuff. Um, man, I, I I do have a child, and I'm married to an amazing woman. Her name is Zoe. Uh, my son, his name is Saint. And uh, yeah, we we're the Richardsons, man. We're the we're the clan. We're the we're the we're the fam. Yeah. Um, anyway, we're the tribe. So we we live in Houston right now, Houston, Texas. And I never thought that I would live in Texas ever. Yeah. Um, my wife is from Texas and, and so kind of the Houston area, different parts of the Houston area, they've lived kind of all over, but right now we reside kind of South Houston. And so anyway, my, my journey is really, really interesting. And I know we're kind of speaking more in the church vein of yeah. things. Um, but I, I, I'm a pastor. I'm not the pastor of our church. I serve uh, my in-laws. They started um, a church called High Point Church about four years ago. And I stepped in um, as the connections pastor, but kind of leading um, all, all kind of expressions to a certain extent of our ministry. Um, so call all kind of outward uh, facing, like, like all of our outreach and our small groups and kind of our Sunday morning volunteer base. Those, those are kind of the, the veins in which I lead. So anyway, yeah, like I said, man, I never thought that I would be a pastor in a church and and I was pretty hesitant towards church uh, for a majority of my life um pretty resistant to to Jesus for a majority of my life too because because I just never saw really great representations um of who of who Jesus was until I was 20 years old man and um uh, I was in my bedroom and there was a pretty pretty large uh party going on outside of my room and you didn't necessarily even ask for you know my my how I came to Jesus but I'm just my going life. into it man I'm just <laughs> going into it so Absolutely. yeah Who you are uh, yeah so um man like I said never thought I would uh really you know step inside the church or pursue Jesus but um it was pretty I was at a very very low place and um you know I've done everything in the book up until kind of that space and so all of the different things that I had tried, all the different things that I had done, nothing really ever satisfied, nothing really ever, um, you know, filled that, filled that hole in my life, um, met the, met the really need that I actually felt like I needed to get met. And so anyway, I was like, Jesus, if you're real, this is me in my bedroom all alone. It's like, Jesus, if you're real, like come into my heart. Is that what I say? Yeah. Like, is that what, is that what that means? I don't even know. Like I begin a relationship with you. What does that even mean? like I'm just speaking words into the atmosphere right now like right. what is this what does this look like and so anyway I was a waiter at a restaurant during that time and I went into work a couple of days later and there was a guy and he was like dude uh you love Jesus and I said I guess <laughs> I, I, I like I was alone in my bedroom kind of walked him through that story and he was like dude just just come hang out with me and a couple guys and so I did and then kind of got involved with the high school ministry from there. And I was like, this is fun. I like hanging out with high schoolers. I was 20 at the time. So I was like, I, I like hanging out with high schoolers. Like they're, they're fun. Getting to be seen as kind of like a mentor figure, although I didn't have anything figured out. Right. Um, and then just kind of stepped in uh, that journey from there and, and really kind of stepped into, uh, you know, full-time ministry 
um, about, it was, it was about five years ago now. Um, so I was, I was 25 ish about to be 26. And that's when I stepped into, you know, contributing, um, to a church. And, um, so yeah, that was, a that was kind of, that was kind of, I've been just been, been in it ever since, man. And honestly, um, wouldn't want to do anything different. Like I love it. Mm -hmm. I love it. It's fun getting to kind of represent Jesus in a, in a way that I felt, um, like, like I, I wanted someone to represent Jesus to me, um, yeah. just someone to be really real and authentic versus kind of some of these, um, you know, spiritual cliches that I think can lose their power, lose their meaning, someone that just can have honest conversation with me. Mm -hmm. So it's, that's, that's my heart. Yeah, that's so cool. I love that. Um, every story obviously is different. Um, even me, like I did not, I didn't grow up in the church, got saved when I was 15 in a small group at a church. Um, I literally went for pizza and to hang out with my friends. I was just a basketball kid and got saved. And I, I love um, even hearing your uh, story um, about your role right now. I think there's some to unpack in that. I think that's very similar to what my wife and I have been doing for about uh, three and a half years. We also served in youth before that and helped plan a church. So um, do tell me a little bit about um, your ministry journey. I think you say cliches. I think a cliche that frustrates me is, yeah, man, I, I just felt called to ministry. Um, mm -hmm. Like it's my calling. It's like, well, I think everyone's calling is to be in ministry of some sort, whether that be full yeah. or not. Um, but I, I'm super interested to hear about that. Like, what was that indication of um, like, I'm going to be all in on this? Yeah, dude, that's a great question, man. Cause I was living in New York and, um, and I was a part of a church there and I loved just getting to contribute um, to, to something that was so much bigger than myself. Mm -hmm. And the, the ministry that I was serving alongside at the time, um, they, they, you know, truly were doing incredible things in the city. And, and it was just like, man, like, I, I love getting to be a part of a church, be a part of an organization, be a part of a group of people mm -hmm. that are just like, actually willing to be selfless and actually willing to like serve people at their lowest moments. Yeah. And, and so it was in New York that I kind of like developed that like that hunger and love of like, man, how can I position myself around these type of settings more regularly? Um, because I, I'm, I'm leaving fulfilled, like I'm leaving full. I'm not just leaving um, with that kind of instant, you know, gratification hit. I'm really leaving just like, man, energized and excited. And of course I'm a super relational person. Yeah. I mean, I love people, man. Like even just this call with you, I mean, this is the first time you and I really ever had a conversation, but I'm like, dude, like, how can I get around Josh? And if, yeah. and if it's got to be on Zoom, then it's got to freaking be on Zoom. Like, yeah. let's do it. And, and so anyway, then a buddy of mine, he asked me um, to move to Tulsa um, to, to help launch a new church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. and, and I was like, well, never been to Tulsa before. <laughs> and right. never, never been a part of a church plant before. But I don't, sure. Yeah, cool. Let's, let's do it. So I moved. And, um, and that was kind of where that, that feeling of just like that I felt in New York, just mm -hmm. kind of like, man, like getting, getting to be a part of something bigger than myself, you know, getting to like build something tangible, yeah. uh, but also, you know, focus so much more on the intangibles mm -hmm. of what people are feeling, experiencing and really encountering Jesus with, 
then then that's what I want to be a part of. So in Tulsa, of course, we're we're contributing to that. We're helping build this brand new church that was like, I have no idea what it means to be on a leadership team of a church. Like <laughs> right. no idea. But that's just kind of my personality too, where it's like, let's let's try it. Like let's go for it. Let's mm-hmm. do it. So I moved and I'm so thankful that I did because it was kind of in that season where I learned a lot, where we failed a lot. Mm-hmm. Um we made a lot of mistakes. We were just, you know, honestly, I think young kids just yeah. kind of trying to figure it out. And, but it was through that, that, that experience really kind of bedded in me like, man, I want to do something like this with my life. Mm-hmm. And where is that? I don't know. What does that look like? I don't know. But it was in that year that really an opportunity, uh, we kind of ended the church plant um, the, the guy that was leading it, uh, went to serve alongside of a pastor there in Tulsa. Um, and so I was kind of left in this space of like, man, well, what, what can I do? Where can I go? What, what transition does that make? Like Tulsa isn't home, but I feel like I've kind of had like this, this launching pad to be able to go and do something with. And so that's whenever an opportunity with Elevation Church in, in North Carolina really came about where I was able to take and just kind of get some practical hands-on learning experience. Yeah. And it was through that kind of process of learning alongside elevation that I was like, man, this is a place that I would love to love to contribute towards and and be a part of and stay and invest in and really start to build some roots. Mm-hmm. And so and so stepped stepped on as a youth pastor, then quickly became kind of the associate campus pastor, and then and that kind of quickly transitioned to really leading the campus as a whole. Yeah. And and um, kind of being being the guy in that space because there is a lot of of course Elevation Church. If you're not familiar with Elevation Church, if you're listening, um, larger church with a lot of different campuses up and down the East Coast. And I just simply got to play a part a part of one of the campuses. So yeah, well, it's so cool. I think that um, something that I I see probably consistent in your life is number one um, saying yes like more lines. Hey, I don't, I don't necessarily know, but let's do it. Um, and I feel yeah. like even for my wife and I, that's just kind of been our journey. It's like, we didn't have this, um, seven generations of pastors and church planning at more lines. We were just like young and hungry leaders who were, um, cool with doing whatever it took to get somebody to raise their hand at the end of service, to give their life to Jesus. Um, and just so happened to continue to grow into, like you said, like, I don't even know what a leadership team is. I still don't like I'm on one. I'm yeah, on, yeah, it's you know? true. We're just true, man. We're in more meetings, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. Right. <laughs> but I mean, so for somebody listening to this, a young leader, um, literally right out of the gun, what advice would you give to them? Mm. You know, it's interesting so much. We're, we're praying for peace about a decision. Hmm. And, and I've found this has been true in my life. Um, but of course, leading in other regards and leading people and hearing stories about people that peace so much comes after the decision is made mm-hmm. versus prior to making that decision. And, and so I, you know, whenever, whenever, you know, you threw out the word calling earlier, right. it's like, it's like, what's my calling? Like, what's my purpose? Like, like some, some of these big things that we we were trying to narrow down to be like it has to look like this it's going to resemble like i have my life planned out and if it, and if something else happens then i'm out of god's will in some type and and i heard pastor steven say one time like god's will is whatever because like if i'm following jesus if i'm obeying what it is that he wants from me 
then, then there's going to be a lot of assignments. There's going to be a lot of different places maybe that that looks like um, that, that, that I can live that out in versus just thinking it's going to look like this. Mm-hmm. It's going to play like this. Um, so, so I'm, you know, kind of going back to the, the thought of the, what you said, the observation about like, say yes. And, and so much the, the clarity comes after the, uh, the commitment. Yeah. Almost. Um, rather than thinking like, I have to have clarity before I commit. Mm-hmm. Um, like maybe just, maybe just say yes, maybe just commit. And then the Lord's right. going to, the Lord's going to reveal himself. He's going to show up. He's going to provide in that. Yes um, along the way. So yeah. I think there's, if there's a young leader listening, um, you know, don't, don't, don't wait too long because in, in your waiting, you could maybe waste, um, waste, mm-hmm. waste some of your time, um, mm-hmm. or waste somebody else's time too, rather than, um, saying yes. And then, and then figuring out along the way, but also, also in that same breath though, I made, I've made decisions without wise counsel too. Mm. Uh, where, where I've, I've said yes in an immature, um, space, immature headspace as well. So, um, I think in saying yes, have people, um, have people around you that, that are contributing to, um, to you versus just thinking that you can go about it alone. Yeah, I think it's great. I think it's, I mean, you think about, um, I'm Gen Z barely, I was born in 98. So I'm like right on the edge, you know? Um, but even like um, millennials as well, I think there's um, two things that I think that we have consistently been labeled as um, the people who um, can't make decisions or do it impulsively. Um, and the other side of it, don't want, um, don't want a leader or like the, the Christianese word is submission. Like I don't, there's a lack of submission. And you said even like wise counsel, I think it's imperative for any young leader to have a pastor, to have somebody in your life. You know, if you don't follow Jesus, somebody in your life that will tell you, Hey, the patterns you're living are wrong (laughs) or the way you're treating your wife are wrong. Um, And being okay with that and being able to receive that. um, I, I would not be the leader. I am the 20% efficient leader I am right now um, without consistent challenge and without, yeah. without even rebuttal saying yes, sir, or yes, pastor. Yeah. Absolutely. And into that, sorry for cutting you off oh, here, um, because, because that's, that's, that's brilliant. And the reason why it's brilliant is because if I come to my pastor or if I come to my leader with a decision made, mm-hmm. then, then I feel like that can be very, very dishonoring rather mm-hmm rather than involving your leader, the person that you you're saying that you are receiving from listening to that you believe in that believes in you, if you're not involving them in your decisions, but rather you're coming to them with your decisions, Mm -hmm. then then I think that that's a huge miss. um, And 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 a sign of dishonor more than something that's more than something that's honoring. No, absolutely. And I would say, um, I, I've had to ask myself this question and I've been asked this, why didn't you go to them first? Because mm. I think we, we always seek people who might give us comfort or, um, might just be our buddies. So they're telling us the right thing to say versus, um, and even the other side of it, asking yourself, why didn't I feel comfortable calling them or mm. is there a relational disconnect? Um, and I think on both sides of the coin, um, I think we can almost, um, I had somebody a couple months ago say this to me and it's been 
um, in the back of my brain that sometimes we almost submit more to a leader than we do Jesus. Um, mm. And almost to a default, I think that um, we do, but then I also think that we always have to go back. Okay, why am I going to this person versus my pastor? Um, if I'm not going to my pastor, or if I'm going to him to a default before I pray about it or seek my wife, yeah. or, you know, there's, I just feel like there's so many layers to decision-making and so many layers to um, what we call um, leadership. But I also think yeah. we overcomplicate everything. Um, a simple yes so and a simple no, you know. Um, so tell yeah. me a little bit um, about your journey right now. So you're a connections pastor. Um, what is something you're learning in this season? Mm. The idea of multiplication. Mm -hmm. um, it's so the, the idea that in order to grow, in order to scale, um, you know, I need to get what's in my hands out of my hands. And, and this is, this, this has, has came easier in, in different times of my life than uh, it has at others. Um, and so like right now, you know, leadership is, is so much more about influence, mm -hmm. um, than, than a position or, um, you know, I believe leadership is a perspective, um, more than it is just a, a position or title that you have. So, so I'm looking at right now, well, what are the things in my hands? What are the things that I'm doing? What are the tasks? What are the responsibilities that I carry? And who am I bringing along? So I'm not the only one that knows this. Mm. Um, and so I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm really understanding this to a much deeper, deeper place that in order to, in order to grow, in order to scale, um, that, that I'm, I'm the ceiling or I'm the lid to growth within our team, within our organization, if I'm not willing to, to get things out of my hands and empower people and entrust responsibility with people rather than just delegating a task. Yeah. And so, um, and that, and that's kind of one-on-one, you know, like uh, almost insane that I'm like, man, like this is, this is like foundational leadership stuff. It's, it's, it sounds easy and it's simple. And, and I've taught on it so much, but like, I'm learning this just to a, to a deeper core that like, there's nothing that, that I want to hold to myself. Mm -hmm. Like there's, there's nothing, even whenever it comes to just like something, the, the smallest little thing, it's like, how can I get it out? Yeah. How can I give it away? How can I bring someone with me and say, Hey, like, can, can you run with this? Hey, can you take this? Hey, can you think around this? Hey, what are your thoughts with this? Because, because I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm growing and, yeah. and there are other people that have other giftings and other skills and something that may be really, really small to me could be really, really big to somebody else. And am I missing out on empowering and developing because I'm too prideful to give it away? And, and that, that, that answer has been yes, where I have been too prideful to yeah. give it away because it makes me feel good, you know? Right. So that's, that's what, that's what I'm learning right now, man, is to what, what is in my hands that I'm, that I'm depriving somebody else's growth of. Mm -hmm. um, that's, yeah. No, I think that's absolutely it's so funny you said foundational, but I think um, over and over in our journey, we always have to go back to the basics because it's like in sixth grade when they said, hey, keep track of these math problems because they're going to help you through high school. And I was like, yeah, whatever. I'm not going to listen. 
and I still don't yeah. in high school regardless, but um, like you, it's the foundational pieces and something that I heard you and um, our mutual friend, Stephen Webb or Sweb. I always want to say Stephen Webb because, you know, not, Big everybody, fan. not everybody knows um, about Sweb per they should, but yeah. um, is this um, contradictory statement of the leadership pipeline like mm. throw that thing in the garbage and actually take people on a journey, um, whether that be three or four people um, versus just trying to lead 200 people averagely, um, but truly yeah. on a journey. And, and you guys pointing back to the model of Jesus has shaped the way I lead. I, I lead people. I teach people how to lead um, through that simple statement that you guys even said. Um, yeah. Talk, talk a little bit about, um, even practically, how, how would you take somebody on a journey um, from going from where they are to where even you have vision for them? Yeah, man, that's, that's a great question. And uh, I know Swift's talked about this. Maybe he did this uh, when he was having a conversation with you, but we, he and I for sure have had, you know, banter around a microphone um, yeah. with this, this topic <laughs> specifically, because there are so many things that, that, that you develop allergies to. You know, some people have seasonal allergies, um, like myself. Um, some people uh, are are allergic to certain words or certain you know phrases or certain people, even you know whatever. But but yeah, this idea around kind of leadership pipeline, it's like looking at the actual model of Jesus. Mm. What did what did he do? And there was exposure. So two things: there was exposure that he gave to his disciples. So he he said, "Come follow me. Like come with me." Just, yeah. just let's, let's, let's like a, a, a simple thing that I'm doing once again, kind of goes back to what I was saying. Like, what are the small things that I do that, that I can like bring somebody along uh, with and just, just so they can see mm-hmm. things um, just so they can see me. And once again, I, I don't, I don't have all the answers and I'm not perfect by any means, but it's like, I want, I want people to come just be next to me. And so exposure. Jesus did that with his disciples. He walked with them for three years. They saw him as they were walking along uh, from one city to the next. They saw him as people were coming up. They saw him as he was sleeping. They saw him in normalcy of life and, and they learned from him in those spaces. So exposure. And then also wait. It's like I uh, was reflecting with uh, my pastor here and my pastor is my father-in-law too. And, and we we're sharing kind of different youth ministry stories Mm-hmm. And, um, as far as some, some like things that were like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? We're kind of talking about crisis management a little bit. Yeah. And there was, there was an experience that I had at elevation where we were going to youth camp. It was called youth X. And we, um, uh, brought a group of like 120 people. And so anyway, we showed up to the hotel and they didn't have our reservations. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we, and I had, I had, a, I had 120 people like waiting on me to figure out, Hey, where are we sleeping? Like all these kids in the back, but they're sleeping bags in their pillows and be like, where am I sleeping tonight, Pastor Parker? And I'm like, I don't know, bro. Yeah, <laughs> but, right. but, but it's like, it's like, there's, there's weight that's given. There's, there's difficult route. And I found that my growth is always a byproduct of the weight that's been given to me. And, and the responsibility that's in my hands. So now as a leader developing, but also as I am helping other leaders develop, am I giving them an exposure to me, exposure to other leaders, exposure to opportunities, exposure to normalcy of life, 
but I'm also giving them weight. Mm. It, are, are there also moments in their life where like they're it's kind of a freak out moment where they're yeah. like, what, what do I do in this situation? Like, can I make a call of someone and say, Hey, show up with me tomorrow at 6am and, and, um, you're, you're going to mow the lawn of the grass. Like it's stupid. The reason why I said it is because the lawnmower is right outside. You probably yeah. can hear it on my AirPods. Um, but it's like, are we, are we giving people weight or, or am I actually making, am I, am I saying people's nose for them? Mm. Am I saying, ah, this is, they're only a volunteer. This is a lot. Like the moment. And I've said that, I've yeah. said that. Same. And, 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 or, or like, ah, I know they're busy. Like, I don't, I, I just don't want to put this on that. And I've said that, I said that yesterday. And so, and so anyway, like I'm challenging myself here because I don't have it figured out, but, but also am I giving people exposure and am I giving people weight? Cause if I give people exposure and if I give people weight, then, then I believe that like there is a development that will happen. Um, and trying to process that, trying to like put that into a formula Right. It's really, really hard trying to put a timeline around that because I'm, I'm a byproduct of years of development. Mm -hmm. And so it's hard to put that into a formalized process that we can walk people through. But how could this just be more of a lifestyle and just intrinsic to our culture where we as leaders are just bringing people along? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's, um, I mean, it's incredible. And I hope, by the way, whoever's watching this or listening, please write that down because it's fire. Um, but I mean, that's the reality of it. I, I always like to use the two words vision and mission. Like we absolutely need to give people vision, um, but also mission. Like practically, how are you going to get there? Um, and most of the time it isn't a 20 step process. Most of the time it's like what you just said. Hey, come follow me. Let's do this thing together. Um, and, and humbly accepting, hey, I don't have it figured out either, um, because nobody wants to follow a leader who thinks they have it all figured out, um, because there's nothing we can connect with. Like I don't, yeah. I, I can't connect with you because I'm a broken person who's selfish, who thinks about myself first, and I'm because I'm a human being. So actually having a mm -hmm. humble, smart leader, but also having vision of asking. Mm -hmm. And sometimes for me, like I have to get away. I have to like go to a coffee shop for like four to five hours and just sit with a journal and go, yep. God, God, where are we going? Like, where is yeah. this organization? Where is this business? Where's my marriage going? Cool. Now, how do I get there? Yeah. <laughs> and it's usually yeah. just for daily practical habits. Like I'm a pretty practical daily person of my habits because that's what we become is our habits. But um, Parker, give the viewers two things. One, you're, if you have a daily routine, I always like to ask mm. that question. And That's two, great. Um, any last words of wisdom? Mm. <laughs> that last one, that last one's going to be tough. Yeah. Not the wisest person out there, you know what I'm saying? Um, just kidding. Got but I got something, got something. So I actually just preached a message two weeks ago um, kind of around the concept of rest. Um, I included mm -hmm. rest in that. I'm a firm believer um, that that I'm resting for something versus just resting from something. And so I've kind of taken that illustration, that thought pretty literal where I rest every single morning when I wake up. Mm -hmm. um, so I have a pretty regimented morning routine where I normally wake up 
um, 5.30, 6-ish. Um, it depends on how many times I hit my snooze. Yeah. Alarm set for 5.30. And sometimes I'm really good about like, okay, 5.30, I'm up, let's go. But sometimes I'm like, hey, beep. I hit snooze a couple <laughs> yeah. times. So um, yeah, normally wake up about that time. And then, um, and then I, I go down and I love coffee. Yeah. And so um, I just kind of have this very simple brewing uh, method that I do every morning to Chemex brew. But, but, but I love the process of coffee. Mm-hmm. I love the, I love the warming up of the water. I love yeah. the grinding of the coffee. Like I love, I love the, the calculation of like how many ounces of, of, or how many grams of coffee to how many grams of water. Like I love, I just love that process. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, um, so that's kind of rest for me. That's therapeutic for me. So I make my coffee and I'm also learning French right now just because I want to. Um, so, so I do a 15 minute French lesson on Duolingo. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I normally take about three to five minutes and I just, I just kind of sit, I call it sitting in my intuition. Yeah. And that's, that's a time for me where no distractions, no phone. And, and I just, I normally just think, I just mm-hmm. think about my thoughts. I think about, the day I think about my wife, I think about my child, I think about, um, you know, things maybe coming up, I think about different leadership, like whatever, whatever really comes to my mind, there isn't a, there isn't something specific that I'm like trying to think about. Mm-hmm. It's just like, I just, I just kind of let, I just let my thoughts kind of go. But I, but I try to try to pinpoint like and kind of extract some things from them. So very, very simple. And then normally my son wakes up um, around 645 ish. So that's whenever I uh, get him. And then that's whenever we have our, our time together yeah. um, where we, we play. He's big into basketball right now. He's 11 months old in like two days, but wow. homie's walking. Yeah. Homie knows how, homie knows how to take a basketball to his little tykes basketball goal and dunk it. Legend. I mean, yeah. Legend, man. Like, like uh, I was a basketball player too. So this is just, yeah. this is just warm in my heart. So anyway, so he and I spend kind of the rest of the morning together and I always make he and I breakfast. We always normally have, he has one egg, I have two eggs. And, and so we make breakfast together and he sits in his little high chair while I'm, I'm cooking. I love to cook as well. So that's something really fun for me. Yeah. And that's kind of, that's kind of my morning. Um, that's, that's, that's pretty, pretty much pretty regular, um, mm-hmm. pretty much every morning. And I think that would be also the, the last little tidbit of wisdom that I would provide as well before I get into that, I didn't share the rest of my day. I'm, I'm highly productive in my, in the mornings. Yeah. So I've seen from around six to about 11 is whenever I structure all like productivity mm-hmm. things. If I'm needing to accomplish something, I'm getting it done. If I need to hyper-focus on something, if I need to prepare a sermon, if I need to whatever, like I'm focusing on that in the mornings. And then I structure my afternoons kind of like this, very relational. Yeah. Um, kind of organic where, where it's, I, I can be flexible in my afternoons where I may be scheduling my one-on-ones with my leaders or um, different staff members. And so I try to do that, try to keep the relational side to the latter half of the day and the productivity side on the uh, first half of the day, because that's just what I found what works best for me. And then on nights, normally there's something of course going on either with church, small group, um, um, you know, date night, what, whatever it may be. Yeah. But, but I try to, try to try to keep the back half um, afternoon very, very relational and before noon um, very focused and productive. But also that would be my advice as well. That would be my, my last little tidbit of wisdom is um, do some real soul work 
to figure out um, your rhythms, hmm. to, to, to figure out, okay, what does it look like for you to rest every day? Because to say that rest is, is just um, something that I do after I get off work, I believe that you're missing out on really foundational principle that the Lord wants to show you, the Lord wants to teach you. If you can find moments of rest throughout the day rather than just resting from the day. Yeah. Well, it's so good. I appreciate uh, you being on Parker. I hope that any viewer um, you added um, some sort of uh, notes and value to your day by listening to this. Um, I appreciate it, man. For sure, bro. Thank you so much, man. I love getting to hang out.